Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence. If you are a woman listener, and I know that about 80% of you out there listening are, that's what they tell me in my analytics, then this is going to be the show for you. If you are either getting started in your career, or if you've had a career and you're trying to figure out how to grow to be bigger, how to increase your leadership, I have got the guest for you today. Um, I've joined by Joyce Durst. Um, Joyce has a long and illustrious career Man, she has done so much. Um, just a few things that I want to point out. Um, you were executive at BMC Software, a $1 billion company. And now you are the CEO and co-founder of Growth Acceleration Partners here in Austin. You're in the same town as me, which is awesome. Um, and you have done so much. I'm just going to hurry up and get into it because I know this episode is going to share so many things. Um, we're going to be talking about some of the key takeaways, how women can think and play bigger and break outside of the box and break, break through those glass ceilings. We're also going to talk about the two things that you shared with me before the show that you think really make a great leader. Um, so let's go ahead. Where, Joyce, first off, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and to have another Austinite on the line. Fantastic. Love ATX. So yeah, it's great to be awesome. here. Well, okay. So let's jump into it. Where, where did you kind of start your business career and where did leadership really start for you? Because I think that's where things really separate for us is when we decide like, okay, I'm going to take what I'm doing seriously. And I want to lead other people because it's, I don't think anyone is really born as a leader. It's something that we have to develop as we as we progress. So where did your journey start for this? You know, it's interesting when um and I've I talked to a lot of other leaders and try and get best practices and ideas from them. From, you know, I think when most leaders look back, it it probably starts when you're in childhood, right? When you look back, you were asked to, you know, lead a committee or be student body president or, you know, run something. And, and that, and I did not think of myself as a leader, but those things were all, those were true. As I moved up through corporate ranks, I've been in tech for 38 years now. Um, at, at almost every juncture, someone asked me, hey, you've done a really good job over here. Will you go lead this thing? And I, and I just said, yes, because I wanted to help as many people as possible. And I wanted to solve problems. But I, again, didn't really think of it as leadership. But when you look back, it, yeah, certainly it was. Absolutely. So, okay, just listening to you talk about that, as somebody that is a high performer, I'll usually do well in one thing. But yes. I have, I've been asked at times to do different things that were outside of what I was good at, right? And right. I have a little voice in my head that always says like, you might not be so good at that. Or what makes <laughs> you think you can do that? Going back, I know that you've had several of these experiences. What gave you the confidence and what were maybe some of the inner dialogues that were happening that allowed you to move forward and do these things? You know, it's interesting. And I credit a lot of those different kinds of experiences as the reason I'm successful today. Um, and in my career, um, I, got, uh, I got bored easily. I really like to learn things. I, I just am fascinated about how things work and I like to try a lot of things. So in my career, I had been an engineering consultant. I did that for a few years and then I went into sales. I did that for a few years and I went back to being consultant. After I had done that, I went to management and I said, hey, I'd really like to go over into marketing. 
And they're like, you don't know anything about marketing. I'm like, I know, but I really know the customers really well because I've been out consulting with them for the last few years. How about I do that? And they said, yes. Two years later, I asked to be, well, now can I be in product management? Because now I know marketing and the customers. And they said, seems crazy, but yes. After two more years, I said, well, can I go be in development? Because, you know, I'm really an engineer and you really need marketing people in development to get what the customer really wants. And they said, yes. And I viewed all of those. I didn't worry as much about, I don't know anything about doing that. I viewed them as, wow, I have a bunch of things I really know and I'm going to learn so much more. And I'm just going to add these things to my toolkit. And there are different paths to CEO, but for me, having a kind of a foundation in all the various disciplines really helped prepare me to lead. I absolutely agree with that. There, I was having a discussion earlier this week, actually. Um, I'm going to ask you the question, how would you define the role of CEO? Because I think a lot of people especially people that are maybe not in C-suite jobs, like they hear that and they think this person either like founded the business or they just run everything. And I found it really interesting as I grew into that kind of role, what it actually is. But I'm going to pose the question to you. What is a CEO? You know, I think there's a lot of different versions of, of CEOs out there. For me, it's... Um, really being a cheerleader evangelist of the values and the vision more than anything else. Let's make sure everyone in the company and outside the company understand not only what we do, but why we do it. Um, so that's really our values coming to play. So, you know, I'm an engineer by education, so I'm part operator, but it's really much more about uh, a constant salesperson of selling that story of what it can be. And for me, that's that's my job every day. Well, that's I mean, I I applaud that answer because I agree with it. And I think I'll add to it. I know that you do this. It's not really the outside people that you're selling it to. It's the inside people. You have 100%. your leaders. Yeah. And for people, you know, all of your listeners, many people starting businesses, trying to grow businesses. The hard lesson I had to learn, Steve, was um a lot of times I used to think as an intern, well, we, I went and I told people, Hey, here was our mission. Here was our values. Here's what we're doing. And then I'm like, well, I'm done with that. And then I come back two weeks later and they're like, well, what's our mission? And I'm like, well, we just had a meeting. I just told you, I wrote it down, <laughs> but I learned over time, right. As a leader, like your job is to continually reinforce that message and be out with your team wherever they are. Kind of like, do you understand the why of what we're doing? Do you understand why what you're doing, how it fits in? So that's really the chief communicator is my job over and over and over again. Over and over and over. over I agree and so over much. And over. <laughs> and you use the term communicator because that's really what it is. It's taking your leader, your leadership team, the heads of department, even when you speak in front of the whole company, the people that are further down the chain, getting them to buy into the value so that they show up and are the best version of themselves for your company, right? Engagement, action, and moving the company forward. I love that definition. So I want to circle back. We were talking about some of the biggest drivers and some of the biggest things um, that you saw across your career. And the first one is helping women think bigger. And I, I'm a huge 
huge advocate of this. Like, I think anybody can do anything that they set their mind to, especially in today's age. How, how do you see that changing? And what's one thing that you would want a woman listener to take away from that they could enact to see, dream and get bigger, break through those ceilings and get outside the box? Yeah. So here's a fact that I'm hoping changes, you know, before I retire, uh, about 98% of women-owned businesses, women start a ton of businesses, about 98% of them don't get past about a million dollars in terms of annual revenues, right? They kind of get stuck there. Um, for me, for Growth Acceleration Partners, several years ago, I had gotten to the company to about 17 million and then 18 million, and then 19, and then 18. And I was driving myself crazy, like, oh my gosh, can we just get this company to $20 million? And I met with a bunch of really talented, powerful other women CEOs um, in a peer network that I'm in. And they said, never speak to us again about 20 million. You may only talk to us about your plan for 50. And it was it. just like this big giant light when, you know, light bulb went off above my head. And I'm like, I'm the one holding the company back because I set the goal right over here and we're just bumping up against it. Once I took that away and I set it for, hey, what we're really, we're building a company right now for 50 million that will eventually be 100, that'll eventually be 250. Everything changed because I put the plans in place for a much bigger company. I made the investments in the right area. I took some risks in the right area and the company's growth exploded. So we're about 55, 56 million now. We don't ever talk about 50. We only talk about hundred. I love and, it. And that's, again, I think sometimes not just women as people, we just limit our thinking for what is possible. And if you just go ahead and put the plans out there for a much bigger thing, you'll achieve it. So, okay, I want to get into the nitty and gritty. I love that answer and I agree with it. The question I always get when I ever talk about like dream big, right? I read all the time. I've read several books on like dreaming bigger. What were the action plans and what did you have to do to one, get yourself to believe in a bigger vision and also your leadership team? Because getting them to buy in and say like the things we have, the things we've done to reach where we are are not the things that we need to do to reach our goal. How did you, how did you implement that plan? Um, I, I put together actually a written down on paper and built several presentations. I took company-wide first the exec team, but then to every person in the company, here is our vision. And our vision is to produce more value to our clients. And our vision is to grow the company so that we can improve the lives of all the people that we touch. And we need to be bigger to do that. Um, and so in the end, we looked at, do we have the right person in every seat to be 50 million or a hundred million? And if not, let's start making those changes. And we did. And do we have the right customer base? And in many cases, we did not. So we started slowly saying goodbye in a very long transition way to some customers. And we started going after a different customer set that really was the customer that was the customer foundation we needed to grow to be a much larger company. So we did that in every part of the company. Do we have the processes, the people, the systems, the clients that make this be a hundred million dollar size company? And we're not, we changed it. That is, that's awesome. And my hat is off to you. Like that is not an easy process, right? Because yeah. it's, we want to do what we know how to do. And we're like, oh, we're safe and secure. And like, 
we got to break all of that and go towards go towards the bigger vision. Um, did you get any pushback from anyone on your team about sure. that? Yeah, sure. I have uh, 650 employees and about 610 of them are engineers. And so they ask a lot of questions. Some are very resistant to change, but we invited that. Like uh, all of you bring all your really hard questions because as we answer those questions, we make the vision stronger, right? Mm -hmm. This negative thing could happen. Okay, what's our plan to alleviate that risk? And so, yeah, only uh, one person on my executive team is kind of always devil advocate. And I'm like, bring it. What do you got? Let's talk about it. And and in the end, they all came around and became, you know, ambassadors out there waving the flag for, hey, here's where we're going. I love that answer because that stops all like the intermunity or somebody talking behind your back. It gets everybody on board. And it's like, bring your hardest question. We will answer them. We're not shying away from anything. And I want to go back to that points to what you pointed to before this, which was great communication skills is a sign of a good leader. So I want to ask a question around communication. What, because I feel like it is something that is honestly horribly lacking in today's society. We've become very one-sided and if somebody doesn't agree with us, they're wrong. I'm right. I'm not even going to talk to them. I'm cutting them off. How, if there was one resource that you could point to for people to become a better communicator, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Um, that is that is a tough question. I, I think most of it is about practice. So, you know, you have to find some ways. Uh, we Here's a couple of things that we do in the company. We allow anyone in the company to ask a question. Uh, they can ask me on Slack anytime. But uh, every quarter we have an all hands meeting. We put out the notice far ahead. People submit questions. And the topic of the meeting is ask me anything. And boy, Steve, they do like whatever they're thinking about, you know, uh, tell me about the economy and how does inflation work and how does that impact these countries? So, you know, sometimes it's like, how's your dog Harley doing? We haven't seen her on camera in a while. I mean, literally could be anything. What's our policy going to be for adding these new benefits? So that, you know, we just try to create a culture that anyone can ask questions at any time. And we hold each other accountable for any decision we make. If you do not understand the why, you are obligated to raise your hand and go, I don't know why we're doing that. That seems silly. Mm -hmm. So I think it just, part of it is just practice. Be comfortable being vulnerable and being transparent. And then your authenticity shows and people trust you and they'll follow wherever you want to go. That right there is gold. If you guys are listening to this, hit the back button and listen to that again, like transparency, authenticity. And if you don't know the answer to something, I've found this personally there. If I don't know the answer, I just say, I don't actually know the answer, but I know who does and I will find it and we'll get back to you. That builds more trust and rapport across the board. I'm, that is a sign of a good leader right there. Um, well, especially Stephen, today's, Tur I mean, it's just, it's a time of turbulence, right? And we had COVID and we have wars and we have economic disruption. There are all these things. So your team is coming to you and saying, hey, when is it going to be smooth and happy again? And the only answer is, I don't know. I don't know when it is, but here are all the things we're doing to prepare, prepare for any of these different scenarios. So we will survive. We will be resilient. We will be fine. 
But you can't say as a leader, oh, I think, you know, interest rates are going to come down in March. No, that would be silly. Well, and especially if you say that and you're wrong, yeah, then it's right. like, it, I that is a great way to answer it. All right. Last question that we're going to move into, which you shared this with me. I said, you know, how, like, what would you say is one of the secrets of your success? And that is to never stay in your safety zone, to be willing to fail. Um, we were talking about weightlifting, like weightlifting doesn't work unless it hurts. And the yeah. same is true with growth. So let's talk about, do you have one experience that comes to mind where you failed and, and had to pick yourself up and move forward that we can talk about and unpack? Yeah, mi miserably. I failed miserably. So prior to Growth Acceleration Partners, so I founded this company almost 17 years ago. Before that, I was CEO of a venture-backed security company. My first time as CEO of a small startup company, um, I made every mistake a human being could make, literally everyone. I had, I didn't hire the right people. I had the wrong investors that I went and got, you know, raised money from all the wrong people. I didn't listen to the market when they said, oh, that's a really cool idea, but we don't want to give you money for your product. So I didn't listen to that because it started with, hey, that's a cool idea. So I've made so many mistakes that I am so grateful for because it gave me the experience that I needed to start Growth Acceleration Partners, which has been wildly successful. Okay, so my question, most people fail and the failure stops them. The pain is too great. They're too worried about what people think about them or what, what's happening out here. And they never pick themselves up and go to the next level. What do you feel separates you and what specifically would be your advice to a woman who maybe has made some mistakes and gotten knocked down, how do they find, like, what would you recommend to pick themselves up and be in a growth mindset versus a, this didn't work. I'm not good enough mentality. Yeah. I think you just, uh, I think for women, especially, cause we're not, uh, maybe not all women are brought up to be super competitive. Um, I played a lot of sports, so I view a lot of things, you know, as well, that was a game. So I lost that one particular game, but there's a whole bunch more games just ahead of me. And I got better because I had some more practice. So now I'm going to go, I'm going to go try that again. So I don't think, you know, for most of us running businesses, you know, we're not curing incurable diseases and, you know, there's not bodies falling all around us. Right. So I think we just have to, Hey, get back out there in the game, use what you've learned, try again, try again. And it'll be way better the second time. Well, that's, that is my mentality as well. Like it's the second time I do it, I'm going to take all the stuff I learned the first time. And those were all it was, was a learning experience. And I love yeah. learning the same way that you stated that earlier. Like I, yeah. if you love learning, if you change your mindset to that and you just, then you start to see it. Yeah. It hurts a little bit, but I'm getting better. I'm going to do but, better next time. You know, they, I've seen this equated to playing a musical instrument. No one picks up a mu musical instrument and they're just magically, you know, playing all these songs and everybody is clapping for them. No, they're terrible. Like if you have kids and they're practicing the clarinet, like you want to die while they're doing that. But over time, they get better. Those songs become recognizable. That's just works the same way. We just, you know, let's, we're learning. We keep practicing and we get better and better. As long as we're doing it every single day, living by our values, then you should stay in that game. I agree. Um, all right. Last question we'll wrap up with. 
Uh, when it comes to leadership, business development, and growth, what is one thing that you see either touted in the media or you you hear a lot of people repeat that you just really don't agree with and you'd like to shine a light on and say, that's not really the answer. This is the answer over here. We've kind of talked about some of them, but is there anything that comes to mind for I'll, you? I'll, I'll bring up one we haven't talked about. It's my own personal soapbox. Um, everyone, everyone in the country knows that during COVID, when we had everyone, all students and college age kids and high school kids stay at home and have remote learning. It was a disaster from an education learning perspective. The stats show, wow, we really went backwards there for a couple of years. Uh, I'm here to profess work is a learning environment. So there are times like if you want to build trust, build relationships, collaborate, innovate, brainstorm, you're going to have to meet human beings together face-to-face -to -face sometime 100% remote. I, I don't see the same level of growth and learning in people that I see when people come together and work together. I That is a great one. And I absolutely love it. I think... Um... I think if we are going to have a strong future as a country, I think we're going to have to become the, we have to go back into the office. Maybe there are some stuff you can do virtually, but we were yeah. doing Zoom meetings before COVID. We could yeah, do Zoom perfect. meetings with offices around the world, but putting people together, there's something magical when you put your phone away and you're in a room and you have a whiteboard and you can figure yeah. stuff out. So I love, love, love that. Yeah. Thanks. Joyce, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. We might have you on for a second show because I think Please. there is still a lot more we can dig into. Thanks so much for coming Thanks, on. Steve. Thank you. I loved it. It's my pleasure. To everybody else out there, until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Are you looking to scale your business but trying to figure out how to get your message across? Well, go to storyselling.how to grab my free course that will show you how to discover everything that you need to build your business through stories. These stories work whether it's in social media, email, or public speaking. There are five core stories that you'll learn. You'll be able to use all of them by the time you're done with this course. Again, that is storyselling.how. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to tune in next time.